You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you're into biohacking, performance, and getting more out of your life, this is the show for you. If you want more on building optimal performance, check out OptimalPerformance.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Nothing stuck. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers, and welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy, and I'm pumped to introduce you guys to today's guest, Mr. Paul Jaminet. Paul, thanks for hanging out with us. Say hello to everybody. Oh, hey, Ryan. It's great to be with you and your audience. Uh, we, we are, we're the ones that are, are in for a treat. We appreciate your time. Look forward to doing this. Um, so for all you guys listening, Paul um, and his wife... Uh, I know you told you just told me this, and, and I'm going to butcher it. I apologize. Sho Ching um, are co-authors of the Perfect Health Diet, um, and, and I admitted to Paul before we hit record. I'm a little bit intimidated. Uh, you know, I have a degree in food science and human nutrition, um, but it's it's a little intimidating reading the, the biography on these guys. Um, Paul is an astrophysicist at Harvard um, at the Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Uh, and his wife is a molecular biologist and cancer researcher at Beth Israel and Harvard Medical School. So uh, we're going to talk to some really, really smart folks and, and get some awesome information for everybody tonight. Uh, go ahead, Paul. Well, don't be intimidated because uh, actually everything I know I learned by, through my mistakes. So uh. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we, we just said something about that on a, on a previous episode where, you know, uh, all strengths kind of come from a deficit, and, and we, that's one of the things we love about this movement is that most of the people involved with this movement got into it somehow um, through either some deficiency or issue or, or some kind of deficit. Um, and, and I know you guys focus on treating chronic illness and, and you know anti-aging, things like that. And uh, before we really dive into um, everything about Perfect Health Diet, we got a couple of uh, housekeeping things to take care of. Uh, so number one, we love your five-star reviews, so keep them coming. Um, head on over to iTunes. Um, leave us some love over there. Uh, we will read them on the air. Uh, we're going to start with two of them from t- for today. Uh, B. Brown says, solid, legit, de- legit guest, great content, one of the best new fitness and health podcasts. And another one from Francis by the Sea says, incredible, great info on working out and nutritional suggestions. Can't wait to try Siltep and dopamine brain food. So if you thought the nutrition suggestions were good before, wait until tonight. Um, So as always, show notes are available at OptimalPerformance.com. For this specific episode, go to OptimalPerformance.com slash Perfect Health Diet. You'll be able to see the video version of Paul and I as well as links to a lot of the things that we talk about, any resources, and of course the book, Perfect Health Diet. So fact of the day before we really dive in, the uh, obesity-related spending annually in America has now climbed to $190 billion. That is $190 billion every year uh, just in America. And that is an average of $1,200 a year more for an obese man compared to a non-obese man. For women, that number is actually $3,600 a year more for women. Um, so if you're not going to do the health thing, if you're not going to eat right and take care of your weight for the health reasons, at least do it for your wallet. I mean, it, you're talking enough money there to go on a really nice vacation. Uh, but again, with Optimal Performer list, listeners, I know that's not an issue. You guys are, are always seeking and striving for the, for the best. Um, but we're going to do our best to convince you and, and help you uh, achieve that to, uh, today with Paul. So, Paul, I'm going to stop talking. I want you to tell me and our listeners how you and your wife got rolling with Perfect Health Diet. Yeah, well, it really started with our personal health problems. And uh, those were you know, things we suffered from for a long time, you know, actually about 15 years or so. And it seemed like every year they'd get a little worse. And every year we'd go back to the doctor and, and he'd say, well, um, 
you know, there, there's nothing we can do. You know, you're, you're aging or, or I don't really know what it is. It's not, you know, you don't have a diagnosed health condition. You just have a bunch of complaints. And, uh, uh, you know, if it doesn't fit in their toolbox, they don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, and we didn't know what to do either. So, you know, we just uh, focused on our jobs and, uh, you, you know, watched our health get worse year after year. And uh, uh, finally, that started to change for me in 2005. So first of all, I started noticing I had really gone downhill. I was losing my memory. Um, I had very slow reaction time. Um, I had, um, you know, most of my problems began when I took a year-long course of antibiotics at age 29 for acne. And, uh, and uh, in retrospect, it must have really uh, messed up my gut. And... Um, I had uh, uh, some fungal infection issues. I probably had some kind of yeast overgrowth or something. But uh, anyway, I was a runner, and my running time slowed way down uh, over that year, and they stayed slow. And uh, and then I started having more and more issues. And, uh, and so I didn't really know what to do until in 2005 I discovered the paleo diet and tried that. And it was the first thing I tried that made a big difference. And uh, some things got worse, some things got better. But uh, you know, the really crucial thing is just to find something that, that matters. Yeah, it's, it's getting started, right? That's right. Yeah. So so then I knew diet mattered. And so then the question was, all right, you know, paleo made some things worse. So obviously, the the way I was implementing it wasn't perfect. Uh, but you know, it behooved me to try to figure out what would be a better diet, you know, how to take what was good in paleo and fix what was bad. So uh, if I can jump in right there, what what didn't work and, and how have you modified that? Um, well, the two big problems, which were the first ones I figured out, were that I was too low carb and I also became uh, deficient in vitamin C. And I really figured that out. Um, I had a scratch wound on my legs. Uh, you know, I had I'd gone running in the woods and you know, got scratched by some thorns or something, and it just wouldn't heal. And six months later, I still had the scratch wound. And, uh, and then I took some vitamin C and it healed. Uh, and so I realized I had been uh, vitamin C deficient. And, uh, um, and before that, I had realized that I was too low carb, and I did better. I needed carbs. And, um, uh, you know, so at that point, you know, I basically found two nutrient deficiencies, one of glucose and one of vitamin C. And I figured, I bet I'm probably deficient in a lot of other things. I just haven't noticed it yet. Right. And so I decided uh, the way to go would be to research all the nutrients, you know, figure out how much you need of each, and then look at foods and see what should I eat in order to get those nutrients. And that's what I started doing. And it turned out to be a big project that took over five years. Uh, but it eventually became the perfect health diet. And so the reason we chose the name is uh, it's, it's related to the idea that, you know, your, your reach should exceed your grasp. You know, you're, you're never going to be perfect, but you should strive for it. And the reason that's important in health is there's really many, many factors that contribute to health. So there's no magic bullet. You have to fix lots, lots and lots of small things. And if you're not aiming to be perfect, you're just not going to fix very many things. Um, so if you really want to have good health and optimize performance, then you need to, uh, you really need to optimize lots and lots of factors. And so, for instance, if you think of optimizing nutrition, and you know, there's like 60 known nutrients uh, that you know we know we need, and then there's a whole bunch of unknown nutrients that are in food, but you know they haven't really been assessed by science yet. You know, so there's a lot of factors just there, and then when you add in lifestyle and all kinds of other things uh, that you can optimize, there are a lot of factors that matter for health. Yeah, and, and I think that's where we're going to really dig in today is, you know, as you said, it, if you're looking to truly live optimal, you've got to look at all of the little things, how every, every action that you do, everything that goes into your body, touches your body, all of that stuff affects performance and that's really to today in, in this episode what we're going to dig into is how the food we eat affects us not only mentally but but in all aspects of health and, and you know obviously physical performance as well so um, what I would like to do is just get right into 
your version of the perfect health diet. And let's talk a little bit about how you guys have it structured, why it is that way. Um, so, I mean, our listeners are going, want, going to want to know what to eat. Now, if you visit perfecthealthdiet.com, uh, I, I found this on you guys' website. I, I love it. You have an amazing graphic. Um, we'll actually share this on social media uh, and, of course, on, on the optimalperformance.com slash perfecthealthdiet. With the show notes, we'll have a, an image of this um, so people can see it. But it's in the shape of an apple, and you have it broken down. I guess best analogy for people who haven't seen it is it's your version of the food pyramid or something like that. Um, so, so for people trying to visualize this if they're driving and not watching uh, and looking at it, um, I want to go through each each component of it and, and the amounts uh, that you guys suggest and, and allow you to kind of provide insights and the rationale behind each one. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's okay. terrific. Cool. Um, so first... You guys have a category that you're calling sweet plants, um, and this was going to consist of things like berries, carrots, beets, other fruits, um, and you're going to recommend up to one pound per day. Yeah, or uh, more or less precisely one pound per day. Uh, if, if you're on, uh, that's for, those amounts are for a 2,000 calorie reference diet, so uh, most men will eat a little more. Uh, uh, women, if they're not active, will eat a little less. Um, uh, you know, but that's a good, uh, a good average amount, uh, for various people. And, uh, and we would say just increase the amounts to appetite. Uh, we recommend intermittent fasting, eating about eight hours a day and fasting 16 hours overnight. And you want to eat an amount that makes you just to start getting moderately hungry at the end of the overnight fast. Uh, so... You know, you might have an hour of mild hunger, and that means you'll notice it if you're not doing anything, but uh, if you start working or someone talks to you, you forget that you're hungry. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so getting to the, uh, to the sweet plants, uh, a pound, you know, that corresponds to like three, three or four pieces of fruit. Uh, you know, so it's not a lot. Uh, and uh, you can have fruit as a snack as well as as part of a meal. Uh, so you can think of those in terms of a meal as something to flavor, add just a little bit of sweetness. You know, so we'll often put cranberries or raisins in our rice when we make rice. Um, we, you know, or we'll have, we'll have beets or carrots or uh, uh, a little bit of fruit flavoring our meal. Uh, and then we'll have some fruit as a snack and as a dessert. Um, so, uh, you know, so the amounts, uh, so one of the things we did was go through every nutrient and look at what's the optimal amount. And fructose, so a lot of carbohydrates digest either glucose or fructose, and fruits digest to about half of each. And so the amount of sweet plants we recommend is basically based on what we think is the optimal amount of fructose in the diet. And you want to have some. Uh, because fructose actually helps the liver regulate glucose uh, a little bit better. Uh, so fructose basically gets directed to the liver, and, uh, and it gets converted to uh, glycogen there, uh, and it depletes ATP in the liver, which helps the liver take up other things uh, more effectively from the blood. Uh, so you'll regulate glucose a little bit better if you eat some fruit. Uh, you know, but you don't need a lot. You know, like I said, three piece of fruit a day is, is enough to optimize uh, your, uh, the, the benefits that you get from fructose. And if you eat too much uh, fructose or sugar, then uh, it gives you a risk of uh, gut dysbiosis. And uh, fructose isn't absorbed as well as glucose. And, uh, and if you have fructose in your small intestine, you can get a bacterial overgrowth or uh, it can start to negatively affect your gut microbiome. So one question on that, if, if that were to happen, what symptoms would somebody experience? What should people watch out for? Um, well, you could get things like acid reflux. Uh, you could get things like your LDL cholesterol creeping up. Um, uh, you know, you might be slightly inflamed. Uh, you're, you might get a little bit of hypothyroidism. Uh, but, you know, in most people, uh, most people wouldn't notice anything. You know, it'd just be one of those very subtle 
influences. You might have a very slight inflammation. You might be slightly more tired than you would be otherwise, but you know you wouldn't notice it because you feel the same every day, right? So, um, and it's and it's such a small effect. You know, most of these things, if you're a little bit imperfect, uh, it's such a small effect. You know, people wouldn't notice it, but when you get 50 things that are a little imperfect, it can add up. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you really want to optimize performance, you want to get everything right. And any kind of inflammation in the body is going to slow you down. You know, there, there's no better recipe for fatigue than making your immune system deal with things. You know, so people who have food sensitivities, they get, you know, exhausted. They want to go to sleep after meals. Right. Uh, you know, so any kind of inflammation is going to, you know, it's going to make you fatigued. It's going to make you slower. You know, I'm glad you jumped right into uh, the amounts of fructose because that was actually going to be a follow-up question I have uh, in, in this sweet plants category. So you, you said that, that the, the pound suggestion is going to put people at about the amount that you guys suggest. Uh, everything that, that I've seen is uh, an upper limit of 15 to 25 grams of fructose per day. Is that consistent with what you uh, found? Well, that's a good amount, but I wouldn't call it an upper limit. I would call it about the optimum. You know, I, we recommend about 25 grams of fructose a day total. Okay. Um, and we think that's about optimal. Okay. okay. Um, so the next category, safe starches. And again, a pound a day. Um, so this is going to be, we're talking sweet potatoes. You mentioned rice. What else are you guys putting in that category, and how does something earn that stamp of safe starch? Yeah, so um, these are basically starchy foods. So the nice thing about these, they digest entirely to glucose, the part, the carbs uh, that, that are digestible. Uh, and glucose is, you know, sort of the mainstay uh, carbohydrate, uh, the building block that our body uses. Um, and they also uh, uh, develop a beneficial form of fiber called resistant starch. And you want to have some resistant starch in your diet in order to optimize your gut microbiome, which is really important. Um, and, uh, and they have a lot of other, you know, they bring in some other nutritional benefits as well. Uh, things like potassium, you know, so potatoes are a really good source of potassium and some other minerals. Uh, you know, so generally they're a good nutritional complement to the diet. Um, and uh, uh, the word safe that we use that distinguishes them from things like wheat uh, or some beans where we suspect that uh, there are uh, compounds that can negatively affect our health like digestive inhibitors uh, uh, that, you know, have the the risk of damaging the intestine or damaging our health in some fashion. Things like anti-nutrients, lectins, gluten? Uh, yeah, potentially, you know, things like trypsin inhibitors or other uh, digestive inhibitors. Um, you know, so basically these, uh, uh, these grains and legumes, the seeds of grains and legumes, uh, they grew in grasslands and have been fed on by herbivores. You know, so they've been fed on by mammals. And so they're a little bit different than many other plants, uh, in which are close relatives, like mammals have been their major predator. Uh, and so they've evolved some compounds that are really effective at targeting our guts. And if they get into our body, if they can target our gut cells, they can target other cells too. And so if they get into our body, they can cause problems as well. And, uh, and there's some evidence for, you know, some of these, like soybeans, seem to be associated with uh, cognitive impairment and dementia. Um, uh, wheat is associated with various, uh, there are hints that it can have significant uh, negative health effects, even apart from celiac disease. Um, and, you know, a lot of these things, you know, like beans in their raw beans are highly toxic. Uh, just a small amount can kill you. Uh, and, you know, cooking destroys a lot of the toxins, but not necessarily all of them. And, uh, you know, so at least in some cases, we think it's prudent to just avoid them. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes perfect sense. Um, so 
let's let's move on to vegetables. And again, we're looking at a, at a pound a day of the green leafy stuff. Uh, that also includes onions, mushrooms, and of course fermented vegetables. Um, anything you would add to that? Yeah. So. Um so our approach was, was always to look at micronutrients, figure out the optimal amount of them, and then see what foods we'd need uh, to get there. And it was kind of tricky estimating, you know, the amount of vegetables that would be optimal. Um, so we don't necessarily have an optimum, but I would say you need at least a pound of vegetables. So if you eat a pound of vegetables along with the pound of sweet plants, sweet fruits, and also close to a pound of meat, uh, then you'll end up getting the optimal amount of potassium, which is a, a critical nutrient. And, you know, so you need about four pounds of food a day in order to get enough potassium. And, uh, but three pounds of the more calorie-dense foods like meat and starches and fruit uh, will get you to 2,000 calories. So you basically you need to eat at least a pound a day of very low-calorie foods like vegetables in order to optimize potassium. Uh, so that's one, and we also know it's good, you want a diverse, diverse types of fiber, and vegetables diversify your fiber, so they have different types of fiber than starches and fruit do. Um, so, you know, you definitely want to get some vegetables for their fiber, you definitely want to get some for their potassium, uh, and you want to mix, uh, so you mentioned green leafy vegetables, those have some uh, very beneficial nutrients, uh, carotenoids, um, nitrate, nitrates, so, um, you know, folate. So there are various, uh, there are good reasons to eat at least a pound a day of vegetables. Yeah. Now, now you just mentioned nitrite, nitrates as, as beneficial compounds in green leafy vegetables. So a lot of times when, when we hear, most often when we hear those things mentioned, we hear them in a negative light when we look for um, preservative-free things or, or packaged meats, bacon especially. Um, can you distinguish for our listeners the, the difference in the two? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, some of the nitrates used as preservatives could be beneficial. Um, it's uh, um, So basically uh, what happens is the nitrates can get converted by bacteria to nitrite, and the nitrite can get converted by sunlight to nitric oxide, and that seems to be highly protective against cardiovascular disease. Um, so it's a good idea to eat green leafy vegetables, and it's a good idea to go out in the sun and expose some skin. Um, and, uh, and there's also, uh, uh, you know, there are other ways to get some of those things. So for instance, uh, this company that is working with us at our retreats called AOBiome offers a skin probiotic called AO Plus Mist, uh, where they have some bacteria that convert your sweat when you sweat ammonia yeah. uh, from having eaten lots of protein. Yeah. Uh, they'll convert the ammonia into nitrate, and is that'll that, get... And is that's reabsorbed? Yeah, it's reabsorbed by the skin, and then when you get the sunlight, it makes nitric oxide. Uh, so that's, you know, so if you don't like eating green leafy vegetables, you can get the skin probiotics. That's really and, cool. Do yeah. you guys have a, a link to that on the website anywhere? Or? Um... Well, if you go back to an old post, uh, you can search on AOBiome on, on my blog, and you can find a coupon code for our listeners to get 25% off. Okay. Um, do, you, do you have that? Uh, if you can tell me that, I can put it in the show notes. And... Yeah, the coupon okay. code is PHD25, and the place to go is store.aobiome.com. Um, all right, so, uh, uh, so anyway. and. Yeah. You know, so there can be downsides to nitrogen compounds uh, there, uh, and that's one reason why eating too much protein isn't necessarily a great idea, uh, because the you know the protein will release nitrogen uh, when it's metabolized, and uh, and that can create dangerous compounds, especially bacteria when they're uh, consuming it. Uh, you know, but in general, the uh, the nitrate looks to be beneficial. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and I know, like I said, that's one where commonly the way you hear it is in a negative light. So thank you for, for clarifying that. Um, now, while we're on the topic of vegetables, fermented vegetables are also in that category for you guys. We love fermented vegetables um, loaded with probiotics, vitamin K2, 
anything else that you would add um, as a reason for people to seek out more fermented vegetables? Yeah, well, they're actually, you know, they're very valuable nutritionally. And one of the overlooked nutrients in fermented vegetables are nucleotides, you know, so things like RNA, DNA. So you have all these bacteria and, you know, they have a lot of DNA and RNA. And, you know, particularly when they multiply, they're, they're multiplying their, their DNA. And getting those nucleotides is actually beneficial, you know. So uh, they can be a little bit hard to make. And they can inhibit, you know, shortage of them can inhibit growth and wound healing. And uh, uh, so it turns out, you know, especially at young ages like babies, um, it's very desirable to give them some nucleotides. And breast milk has a lot of nucleotides in it, but formula doesn't. And uh, that could be one reason why babies don't do as well on formula. Um, so we actually, we uh, switched from breast milk to formula with our baby uh, at about age three months. And... Uh, and I put a little fish sauce in his milk so that he would get some nucleotides from that. That, that was going to be my follow-up is, you know, I, I don't imagine, you know, feeding sauerkraut or kimchi to a baby. So how, if they're not on breast milk, how would you supplement their diet with, with the nucleotides? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, and fiber is also lacking in a little fiber. Uh, some of the oligosaccharides that are found in milk act, act like a fiber for gut bacteria. And uh, so one of the things we did for that was add a little vinegar to the milk. Uh, so uh, gut bacteria, when they metabolize fiber, they produce acetic acid, which is vinegar. And uh, uh, so you can make up for the lack of fiber by, by giving a little, a few drops of vinegar in the milk as well. Awesome. Awesome. Um, now, we've, we've mentioned probiotics and, and gut health a few times already. Um, what about prebiotics? Uh, is that something that you try to get through food intake, or, or do you ever supplement with that? Uh, we don't supplement. You know, basically, vegetables are really good prebiotics, and uh, so eat your vegetables. Yeah, if you're getting two pounds of that a day, you're you're probably taking care of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, I know for a lot of people here, just hearing that number uh, of of a pound of vegetables a day, or a pound of vegetables and a pound of the the uh, uh, sweet plants. I think that can can seem daunting or, or overwhelming to some. Is there a, a practical approach that you guys have found to help people go from not enough to baby steps to getting their uh, juicing or, or greens? Oh, no, no. Actually, uh, it sounds like a lot. And actually, when I spoke at PaleoFX once, uh, and I mentioned that, you know, I recommend three pounds a day of plant food, it's like everybody gasped. You know, like it was something crazy. But then when you see it in action, you know, it's basically two plates of food. Right. You know, so if you if you take a plate and you split it into quarters and you have, you know, one quarter is you know, like a potato and one quarter is a beet and one quarter is some vegetables and one quarter is some meat and then you have two plates a day. All right. Well, you've gotten your four pounds of food right. and three pounds of plant food. So, you know, it, it's not that hard to eat it. Uh, you know, people normally eat it. Uh, the big thing is just cutting out all of the processed food, the junk food, yeah. and uh, you know, and then you've got the appetite to to eat that much. Yeah, and I think it's just it seems overwhelming, and it seems like a large number just because it's it's not necessarily uh, the way that we're used to hearing food. We're used to hearing cups or ounces or, or something like that. So yeah, you start to say pounds. Uh, people start to you know, like you said they have that that gasp that reaction. Right. Like, wow, that's, yeah, but no, if you have like a fist-sized potato, you know, that's half a pound. So you have one for lunch, one for dinner, you're all set. Okay. And uh, it's, it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, so let's see. Meat. We haven't, we haven't talked about your meat recommendation, and that's going to be 0.7 pounds up to one pound per day. Yeah. Yeah, so just, just slightly less than the amount of starches or or sweet plants, but, you know, it's pretty close in terms of, you know, size. If you just visually look at your plate, you know, just have almost as much meat as you have potatoes or rice or, uh, and you'll be doing well. And, uh, you know, we recommend probably seafood is probably the healthiest uh, form of meat or fish. Uh, we also recommend uh, ruminant meats, that's like beef, lamb, goat. Um, uh, but with the exception of people who have Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis, so um, 
so one of you know the problems of mammals eating mammals they're closely related to us and there's a somewhat higher risk of autoimmunity eating them so you know if you think of the mammals uh, like uh, pork from pigs uh, cows uh, sheep lamb uh, you know those are all mammals and uh, so a slightly higher autoimmunity risk uh, you generally don't have to worry about that if you don't have an autoimmune condition but if you do uh, then you might want to de-emphasize those uh, so they're really healthy, uh, but uh, they're a slight autoimmunity risk. Uh, and then uh, the bird meats, like chicken or duck, are uh, where you know they're relatively safe in autoimmune terms, but uh, they're uh, not quite as optimized nutritionally as uh, the the beef or lamb. Uh, and uh, pork, you want to get good quality. You know, so I would say uh, seafood and fish are probably our number one. Uh, for most people, the beef, lamb uh, would be next. Uh, pork has a few problems. It can carry uh, some germs that can infect us, and uh, uh, so it's so you definitely want to cook your pork well. Uh, but uh, and it's also desirable to get uh, pastured, naturally raised pigs. Yeah, well, we don't we don't need that much protein as protein. Uh, so if you eat more, it's either going to go into the body and be used for energy. You know, so if you're on a low carb diet, that may happen. Um, and in that case, you're going to release the nitrogen. You know, so uh, basically the amino acids you can't metabolize the nitrogen, and so it'll have the nitrogen will get released. It'll become ammonia, uh, and then the ammonia may go to urea or uric acid. Uh, and, you know, ammonia, you wouldn't drink ammonia. Uh, you know, you can excrete it in sweat, you can convert it to urea, uh, but it's not necessarily healthy for you. Um, the other thing that happens if you eat a lot is you just don't absorb uh, some of the protein, so it goes down in your gut, and it's fermented by gut bacteria, and they're releasing the nitrogen there, and that's also making toxic compounds in your gut. And so you won't have as good a gut microbiome if, if your bacteria are fermenting protein as you would if they were fermenting carbohydrate forms of fiber. Uh, and you'll be generating various toxins that, you know, are dangerous to your colon, uh, will probably increase your risk for colon cancer and other issues. Uh, so, um, you know, as in all things, you want to give your body the amount it needs and not an excess. Uh, now, you know, if, you're, if you want to optimize how much muscle mass you have, then sometimes you want to force things, you want to overdrive them, you know, give a little extra of the nutrition that you need. Uh, you know, so if you're a competitive bodybuilder or things like that, you know, or athlete, strength athlete, then you, know, you may want to eat more protein than is optimal for health. Uh, you know, but that's sort of a personal personal thing. So our advice is basically optimized for health. Yeah, and that's that's one of those things where we've talked about this before on other episodes where everything is goal dependent and you need to get back to why you're doing this. So so like you said, if somebody is a bodybuilder, performance for them means something different than performance for you um, or, or maybe even a third person. So if, if you were working with a competitive bodybuilder, just for example, how much higher would you go in protein? Um, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go above uh, 150 grams of protein a day, uh, and uh, so that's basically where uh, the liver starts to lose the ability to convert ammonia to urea, uh, and you'll start generating uric acid. You start generating ammonia. You know, you can get uh, a bodybuilder smell, smell from the. Uh, ammonia uh, in the sweat and uh, you know of course you can help get rid of that if you use the aobiome you know, probiotic but um, you know but you still you still have the ammonia inside your body before it gets excreted and that's not not so good for you um, and I think you know you can stimulate the you know the muscle building pathways with carbohydrate and with fats as well so uh, you know so you don't necessarily want to 
you know, just keep going with the protein after you get to that point where your body is no longer uh, able to handle it. Yeah, one of the best analogies that I ever heard, you know, my background is in some of the fitness stuff. Uh, as a gym owner, strength coach, came from bodybuilding and, and that world. The analogy was that when dietary protein is, is a, yes, it's a building block for the muscles, but if you imagine driving by a construction site where somebody's building a house, if you send in more bricks than are needed to construct the house, it's not going to get built bigger or faster. The, the foundation is what it is. The house is going to use the same number of bricks. Uh, you know, just because you send in more bricks doesn't mean the house is going to be finished faster or, or bigger. So uh, I, I thought that was a really good analogy. And I think that that helps people make sense of you know, more isn't necessarily better. Yeah, that's right. You want you want everything you need in proportion, you know, in balanced proportions. You know, so you need to build up extra tissue, you need to build up cells, you need to build up the extracellular matrix scaffold. And, you know, if you just provide one piece but not the other pieces, then it's not going to work that well. Yes, beautiful. So, um, the next category that you guys have is the do not eat um, peanuts, sugar. We talked about uh, sugar, we talked about grains and beans a little bit. You also have vegetable oils in that category. Talk a little bit about some of those guys. Okay. Um, well, sugar, you know, like we said, we had a target of fructose of uh, 25 grams, and that's the amount in about a pound of fruit. And, uh, and you really want to get that from natural whole foods. You don't want to get it from added sugar. And so basically anything that has added sugar in it, you shouldn't eat. You know, so you should drop the cotton candy and, you know. Uh, <laughs> cotton candy doesn't lead to optimal performance? No. Um, and, uh, you know, peanuts, uh, you should eat tree nuts instead. Uh, you know, so there's evidence that peanuts are not so healthy uh, compared to uh, tree nuts. So They're actually a member of the legume family. So any of the information that you shared earlier about beans and other legumes are they're going to hold true for peanuts, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yep. And that's so, also why they're one of the top seven allergenic foods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tree nuts can cause allergies too, but uh, they're generally healthier. So, um, you know, so I would get cashew butter or almond butter rather than, or macadamia nut butter rather than peanut butter uh, if you want to have a, uh, a nut butter, uh, nut butter cooking. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, vegetable oils are a big uh, no-no on our diet, but basically that's the ones that are high omega-6. So it's the ones that grow at northerly latitudes. Uh, you know, so it's it's uh, things like corn oil, soybean oil, canola oil, uh, sunflower oil, safflower oil. Uh, you want to avoid all those things. Uh, the plant oils from the tropics are generally healthful. Uh, so things like coconut milk is good, avocado oil, um, olive oil, um, macadamia nut oil, um, uh, palm oil is okay. Uh, and then most animal fats are, are healthful as well. Okay, great. What we do. So, so what kind of ice cream is uh, approved on the perfect health diet? Well, basically we'd recommend making it at home. Uh, so uh, use egg yolks, use lots of egg yolks as a healthy uh, uh, fat, you know, use some good quality cream. Uh, put in uh, fruit berries, you know, use those as, you know, lots of those as, a, uh, as your primary uh, sweetener. And if you need it sweeter, uh, you know, you could use some uh, honey, some dextrose powder, like I, like I mentioned. Uh, you know, but in general, I would say, you know, the store-bought ice creams, they tend to have, uh, a little too much, uh, milk protein, uh, from skim milk. They tend to have too much sugar, uh, and the, the fats tend to be a little lower quality. They don't use the egg yolks like they should. Right. Uh, so, uh, you can definitely make more nutritious, yeah, a lot healthier of the, ice cream. A lot of the store-bought, like you said, is either soybean oil or, or, or some other inferior oil, um, yeah, well, even if it's all dairy fats, you know, 
uh, that's a that's a pretty good quality oil, but it still it doesn't have the nutrition that egg yolks would. Right. Uh, and uh, you know we we highly recommend eating egg yolks. So uh, uh, you know you can make ice cream more of a health food if you make it yourself. So since you bring bring that up, talk about some of the benefits of egg yolks. Well, they're just uh, nutritionally packed. You know, so anytime you have to support the growth of a baby. Uh, the growth of an embryo, uh, then you know you need to provide complete nutrition, and you know you need really good quality nutrition. So things like, uh, and most of the nutrition in the egg is in the yolk. Uh, so egg yolks and things like fish roe, caviar is nutrient dense. Um, uh, you know, breast milk is is pretty nutritionally good. So uh, you know, if you had to have just one food, you know. A, uh, a single food diet, then you know the milk would be a good choice. Okay. Uh, chocolate, chocolate's on your uh, your Apple graphic there. Yeah, so it's in our pleasure food list, which uh, means that it's good for you in small amounts, but it's easy to overdo it. And chocolate is good for you; it's uh, good for your gut microbiome. It's got lots of beneficial compounds. You know, so that would be in a class like coffee, tea, uh, nuts. Uh, you know, things that are quite beneficial in small amounts, uh, but uh, some of them have kind of addictive properties or, you know, if you if you put a lot of nuts on your desk, you may find yourself, you know, reaching in and, you know, not stopping until the bowl is empty. Right. Uh, you know, some people have that with chocolate, some with some, you know, drink too much coffee. Um, so, you know, all of those are good for you, but uh, you want to... Uh, you want to regulate the amount that you take in. Now, that covers most everything on the, the what, in terms of what foods are involved. Um, I, I know you, you mentioned that you, you guys suggest an intermittent fasting, 16 fast, 8 for the eating window. So uh, if people are not familiar with that, typically uh, you would maybe, uh, let's say you started eating at noon, you would eat until 8 p.m. You would fast then from 8 p.m. each evening until noon the next day. Um, nutrient timing is, is something that's, that is very important for performance. And that's a question that, that I have for you. You know, obviously the fasting window is going to dictate a lot of that nutrient timing, but, but how, what other considerations do you guys, you know, have when it comes to nutrient timing? Yeah, well, the key thing is you want to eat all your food in the daytime. Uh, so the best time to eat is in the afternoon. Uh, so even if you're going to end up eating late in the evening, uh, you should try to eat most of your calories in the afternoon. You know, potentially have two meals in the afternoon. You know, have like a lunch, big lunch and a second snack in the mid-afternoon. Uh, and then just, uh, you know, eat a light amount of food and maybe save some of your supper is leftovers for the next day. Um, and uh, uh, now the ideal, uh, the ideal feeding window would be exactly 12 hours opposite your sleeping window. Um, so the way we recommend doing it is you have a 12-hour daytime, 12-hour nighttime, uh, just an artificial one year-round, you know, set it up uh, and avoid bright light in your nighttime, you know, try to make it only red-orange light and, uh, and make everything as bright as you can in the 12-hour daytime. And then uh, in your daytime, uh, the feeding window starts three hours into the daytime and ends one hour before the end of daytime. And your sleep window starts three hours after the start of nighttime and one hour before the end of nighttime. Um, you know, so if your nighttime window was 8, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., then you'd sleep 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., uh, and you'd eat 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, more natural, uh, if you were uh, uh, letting the sun dictate your daytime, might be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then you eat 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and you sleep 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, but most people find it much easier to shift a little bit, a little bit later relative to the sun. Okay. Cool. Now, what about supplements? I know we mentioned the egg yolks before, and I know on your website you guys almost consider egg white or egg yolks as a, uh, a concentrated food source. Are there any other 
foods that you would lump into that category? Yeah, well, we have a group that we call supplemental foods, uh, which means you should make a point of including them in your diet, either daily or weekly, uh, just like you would a supplement. You know, just make it a habit. Uh, you know, do it routinely. Uh, so one of them is egg yolks. We recommend three egg yolks a day. Another one is liver. We recommend a quarter pound a week. You know, so just like some supplements you might take once a week, some you might take every day. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with critical foods. Um, another good one is extracellular matrix. You know, so that's making soups and stews out of bones, joints, tendons, chicken feed, ox hooves. Um, and so extracellular matrix, that's something, you know, most people really undereat. And you can get a lot of benefits by including more of that uh, in your diet. Um, seafood, fermented vegetables, you know, those are things you should make a point to include. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that extracellular matrix, joints, tendons. Um, the, the protein supplement that, that Natural Sacks produces is a two-to-one ratio of whey to collagen, and it actually has colostrum in it. Um, so that's something that we're really proud of. So now, now supplements for longevity. Um, you know, so, some more um, similarities in our views and your views. You know, we're, we're big fans of magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin C. Uh, you guys have those listed on your website, also. Yeah, yeah. So those are really important nutrients, and they're also things that it's pretty easy to be deficient in. Uh, they're commonly uh, uh, particularly vitamin C, magnesium that you mentioned, they're, they're kind of too bulky to fit into multivitamins. So, uh, you know, most people don't, uh, you know, don't supplement them easily, but they're among the most common deficiencies. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've got a small group of uh, nutrients that we recommend supplementing uh, just because they're relatively safe. Uh, it's not easy to overdose on them. A lot of people are deficient. It's very easy to become deficient. Uh, you know, something like vitamin C, uh, it's not in a lot of foods. It's destroyed in, by heat, so cooking can destroy it. Uh, you know, if, if you ate a pound of sweet peppers a day, then uh, you'd probably be getting enough C, but, you know, not many people do that. And, uh, you know, and it's, and it's very safe. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for supplementing it. You know, similarly, magnesium, you know, if, if there were a really good food source of magnesium, then we might say just eat that as a supplemental food. Uh, you know, but really it's pretty widely distributed among foods. And, uh, you know, it's another one that's really crucial for health. And a lot of people are deficient. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a, a good case for supplementing it. Okay. Um, now, you mentioned in the very beginning part of the beginning of your journey was with the paleo diet you found that you became deficient in vitamin C how did you fix that was it strictly dietary or, or did you supplement with it yeah I, I use supplements um, uh, I found that I had to take two grams a day for a month in order to relieve my deficiency and get everything working again now in retrospect uh, having read more uh, papers and stuff what I should have done was take more like 20 grams a day and get rid of the deficiency quicker. It's, you know, so it can take a while to, uh, you know, recover. Uh, so for people listening, is there a simple way that to test for deficiency in vitamin C? Uh, not really. I mean, there are blood tests, but nobody gets the, uh, the blood test done. Uh, and, uh, you know, unless you go into a hospital and you're bleeding, then they'll, you know, your gums are bleeding and, uh, uh, but full blown scurvy. Yeah, your teeth are falling out. You know, and then they'll they'll test your vitamin C status. But um, you know, it's not it's not a routine test. And uh, um, you know, the easiest way is actually to uh, supplement it. And uh, what you can do is is uh, uh, take a lot in one day and see how much you need in order to reach bowel tolerance. And bowel tolerance is. Uh, when once you've stuffed your body with vitamin C, your gut will stop absorbing it. When the vitamin C gets down to your colon, then it really disturbs the gut bacteria, and and you start getting queasy. Uh, you'll get gas. You'll get if you take too much, you'll get diarrhea. 
And, uh, you know, so you should really stop at the first sign of queasiness uh, or any hint of gas. Or start carrying your gym bag around and tell people that it was the Yeah, that's right. Failed. Yeah, that's right. And um, uh, anyhow, you know, so if you assess bowel tolerance, if your vitamin C status is good, then your bowel tolerance might be at 15 grams uh, or less. Uh, but if it's if it's more than 15 grams, then you're probably deficient, and you should be supplementing uh, vitamin C. And uh, you know, for most people, a gram a day would be a good dose. Uh, you know, but you can do you can do the bowel tolerance test, and and when we've done it with people at our retreat, it's not uncommon. You know, some people uh, will need 40 or 50 grams in order to reach bowel tolerance, and they should definitely be supplementing you know, maybe a couple grams a day. Um, now, you mentioned the retreat. You guys, this is the, the perfect health retreat. Tell us a little bit about that. Where does it take place? What do, what do folks get when they show up for this? Yeah, well, it's a really good deal. Um, they take place on the beach in North Carolina. Uh, we've got luxury properties, uh, two heated saltwater pools, two saltwater hot tubs. It's right on the beach. At the times of the year we do it, it's almost a private beach. Um, uh, you know, luxury accommodations. And uh, we just teach you everything you need to know about how to be hungry, how to be healthy for the rest of your life, and how to optimize performance. Uh, I give science classes every day. It's a complete curriculum on how to be healthy uh, diet, nutrition, lifestyle, exercise, movement, uh, managing your health, um, uh, other things. We've got We've got four movement classes a day. Uh, it's basically a morning uh, light activity uh, initiate circadian rhythms movement sessions. That would be things like Tai Chi or yoga sun salutations. Okay. Uh, we'll do late morning, late afternoon activity. That would be more intense. And you know, over the course of the week, you know, there will be a dozen of those classes, and it will be a complete education and you know, physical movement, different modalities, so that everybody can find things they enjoy. And then in the evening, we have a class uh, that's devoted to relaxation, stress relief, uh, healing, massage, uh, meditation, um, and uh, we use things like heart rate variability biofeedback to help make it more effective. And, uh, you know, basically teaching people how to put their body into the right frame for rest, recovery, sleep. Uh, and we, we do one-on-one -on -one health coaching uh, starting before the retreat. Uh, we have cooking classes before every meal. Uh, we have great food and nutrition. Um, and the environment is really optimized for circadian rhythms. We change the lighting uh, at night to red-orange lighting. And we, we teach you how to set up your home uh, with good, as a good uh, circadian rhythm environment, sleep-promoting environment. Um, you know, we teach you what things to do when and what things not to do at different times of day. Uh, you know, so it, it's a really complete education and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, so it's like a luxury vacation. You know, there's free time to enjoy the beach and the pools and the hot tubs. But, you know, you're also getting, uh, and there, you know, there's great food. Uh, we call our uh, diet ancestral gourmet cuisine uh, because it's pretty optimized for taste. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we serve wine at dinner and, and stuff. So, you know, you can enjoy it, uh, but it's really healthful as well. And we've also had some partnerships. Uh, we did a partnership with Ubiome for gut sequencing. Awesome. And so we've done uh, before and after gut sequencing of, of the, the recent guests. And uh, uh, we're going to do studies on that and see how uh, the retreat affects their microbiomes. And, uh, you know, so uh, we're really doing everything we can to give people a fantastic experience and teach them everything they need to know to be healthy for the rest of their lives. That, that and, sounds awesome. I want to come. Yeah, you should come. <laughs> uh, so, so if I or, or our listeners wanted to uh, attend, where would they go to, to get more details on that? Well, if you go to our website, perfecthealthdiet.com, there's a tab that says Perfect Health Retreat, and you can look under there for web pages. And uh, if you're really interested in coming, then send me an email, uh, paul at perfecthealthretreat.com, and I'll be happy to uh, sign you up and uh, you know, give you any information you need to decide whether you want to come. Okay, cool. And uh, I, 
no pressure. I know we're on the spot, but but maybe an optimal performer's discount or something. Um, all right. Let let me know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I know. I just I'm on the spot. Um, so you mentioned like informing the the guests of the retreat how to set up their home. Are there are there any hints or tips you can give us to to set up our uh, living spaces optimally to to maximize uh, circadian rhythms and, and things like that? Yeah. Well, probably. Well, of course, you want a really good sleep environment. So when you sleep, it should be dark. It should be quiet. Uh, it should be comfortable. Um, but uh, the really crucial thing is arranging your schedule and lighting is really crucial. So light is one of the key circadian rhythm drivers and circadian rhythms are you know, probably the key lifestyle element uh, to good health. And, uh, and it's blue light that uh, sets daytime rhythms and disrupts nighttime rhythms. And so you really want to get uh, lots of bright white light at night uh, but then at, during the day, I mean, yeah. Uh, but then at night, you don't want to get any blue or green light. You just want to have a red, orange. You know, think of a campfire: red, orange, yellow. Those are the those are the safe colors at night. And so we have basically orange light bulbs, and uh, we basically have two sets of bulbs. We have a daytime uh, bulb, which are um, so one of the key things. One of the key problems people have is they get these cool white bulbs. The color temperature is like 2,700 K. Right. And, and that's not uh, bright enough, not enough blue to really give you a good daytime. Right. Uh, but it's way too much blue to, you know, it disrupts your night. And so that's bad both ways. So we recommend getting like 5,500 K bulbs for the daytime and then get uh, red-orange bulbs for the nighttime. And if you go to our website, we have a tab called Recommendations, and under there, there's a page called Circadian Rhythms, and we have some light bulbs you can get. Uh, so basically, the you know, best thing is have two sets of bulbs, a daytime set and a nighttime set, and just switch over. So, so in a, a practical sense, I mean, what does that look like at home? I mean, just like one set of lights for, for any given space, or, or are you actually alternating? Uh, you're not taking the bulb out at, you know, as, as the light. No, we just... No, what we do is uh, uh, in the daytime, you want very bright white light. And so like all of our overhead lights at home are uh, bright white, uh, 5,500 Kelvin. And, uh, and you know, we try to get uh, enough bulbs so that uh, there's abundant light. Then at night, you don't need bright light. Uh, so what we tend to do is have floor lamps that have maybe three uh, spots, and we'll put the orange bulbs in there. And then at night, we turn off all the other ones, and we just turn on the orange floor lamps. And, you know, so that's a dim, relatively dim orange light, and that's really good for nighttime. It's really relaxing. makes it easy to go to sleep after a few hours of that. Yeah, so, so not only are you changing the, the spectrum, but you're changing the intensity as well. That's right, yeah. And, uh, you know, so we make it just bright enough that you can read if you're close to it. Uh, you know, but uh, that's really all you need. Okay. Uh, Awesome. Um, so, Paul, we're, we're getting to the end. Um, before we ask you for your, your top three tips to live optimal, um, I just want to say thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for everything that you guys are doing to, to push this movement forward. Um, and, you know, we already mentioned a couple of times where folks can find you guys, perfecthealthdiet.com. We'll have a link um, on our show notes page, optimalperformance.com slash perfecthealthdiet, where people our listeners will be able to go back to your website. We'll have a link to the uh, Perfect Health Retreat. Um, anything else you want to add where people can find you guys? I mean, obviously, the, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, any other bookstores? Yeah, it's it's all over. It was published by Scribner, so a major imprint. And, um, um, you know, I would say if you get a chance to come to our Perfect Health Retreat, it's, uh, you know, it, it's really a great deal. And, uh you know, we've, uh, because we're really trying to gather evidence, uh, you know, we want to help people become healthy. We want to establish that our diet and our lifestyle advice can cure most modern diseases. You know, so we track, we, you know, we try to stay in touch with guests after they leave. Uh, we try and help them troubleshoot any problems they have. And we try and help them cure their diseases. And, uh, and we really want to uh, demonstrate to the scientific and medical community 
that the ancestral approach is really what people need uh, to be healthy. And, uh, you know, so the retreats, they're really modeled on what the vegetarian doctors did. If you think of like the Pritikin Longevity Center and so on, they got a lot of mileage out of a few papers, you know, saying that their guests had lower rates of heart disease. Um, And, you know, we want to show, all right, our guests have lower rates of heart disease, of cancer, of autoimmune disease, of everything else, and obesity and so on. And, uh, uh, and, you know, so, uh, and we're on, we're on track to do that, we think. And, uh, you know, so we're working very hard to make our guests as healthy as they can. And it's really, you know, the cost is, uh, very similar to what you'd spend for a week's vacation. And, uh, you know, so you're getting a lot of extra help, uh, along with a, you know, delightful week. Yeah. All right. Very cool. So. We just mentioned it. Now it's time to to get right into them. Your top three tips for our listeners to live optimal. All right. I'd say number one, eat a natural whole foods diet. You know, so don't eat uh, the processed food. You know, eat things like, uh, you know, the caveman could have hunted or gathered. You know, so should recognize plants and animals. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. I would say the circadian rhythm entrainment is really crucial. You know, when we look at lifespan extension, you know, any kind of circadian rhythm disruption takes six years of, off your life easily, you know, and that's things like not exercising, it's things like sleep apnea or night shift work, uh, you know, it's things like uh, blue light at night, watching a lot of television at night, um, you know, it takes six years off your life because, you know, the TV is pretty blue, um, you know, so basically, however you you know, or social isolation, you know, not getting social interactions in the day. That's another important uh, circadian rhythm factor. And, uh, you know, so every way you look at it, it's, uh, it's a major health impact. Uh, and then I would say intermittent fasting is actually a very powerful intervention. And, uh, uh, you know, that most people, most people don't do. Awesome. Awesome. Those, those are all great. Um, Paul? Thanks a lot for hanging out with us. This was very informative. Um, and, and again, just thank you so much. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to Optimal Performance Podcast. Remember, you can find show notes for every episode along with video version at optimalperformance.com. And also remember, Optimal Performance Podcast loves your five-star ratings. So head on over to iTunes, show us some five-star love. See you next Thursday.